Hi, I'd like to uh, ask you to do something for me, if you wouldn't mind. If you like this episode, I'd like you to uh, not only subscribe uh, on your favorite site, but I'd also like you to uh, give a rating. Uh, ideally, a, a five-star rating would be you know, greatly appreciated. But I think more importantly also would be just uh, some uh, comments. Uh, that helps with the algorithm and it helps build the, uh, the audience with this. And more than anything else, if you could um, invite somebody else to listen, just share this episode with a friend, with a colleague, and uh, I'd like to see how we can grow the soul of business. I think it makes a difference. Thanks. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Uh, folks, yeah. As we look at organizations, one of the things that always has intrigued me is how do some organizations succeed and others don't, particularly if they're in the same space, they've got intelligent people running the organization, they've got qualified people you know, on the line in the organization actually executing and doing the work that needs to be done, but something is missing. And that question about what's missing kind of led me to a lot of the work that I do in my life uh, around compassionate capitalism, uh, but more precisely for the purpose of this show, the soul of business. Uh, and for me, the soul of business is that it's that um, eph ephemeral sort of a thing that you know, makes an organization unique. And if you can tap into it, all kinds of magical things possibly can happen. So uh, the, the, my guest today, uh, Justin Vandehey, I'm going to yeah, give you a little bit of an introduction to him in just a moment here. Um, but I first ran into him on an office hours uh, show that uh, my partner and I, David Meltzer, uh, do every week. Um, and I was fascinated by the work that he and his company uh, is is doing. And it, you know, it just struck me that this is the answer in many ways to how do we keep connected uh, to that soul of business. And the culture is called Culture Amp, or the culture, the company is called Culture Amp, and you can find out about them at cultureamp.com. But one of the things on that site, you know, when I you know, was perusing the site uh, some time ago here, is there's a little tagline on there, don't crunch the numbers, connect the dots. Don't crunch the numbers, connect the dots. And it's kind of like, wow, that's an interesting notion. What do you mean by connect the dots? And that's where the people thing comes in. Um, and this is where culture gets developed and all kinds of other stuff. So with that long preamble, uh, I want to you know, welcome Justin Vandehey to the, to the, to the show. Um, it's just a, a, a treat to have you here. So, you know, Justin, when you hear the soul of business, what pops up for you? Yeah, Blaine, thanks for having me in too. It's uh, great to reconnect and really enjoyed the conversation with you and David a couple of weeks back. Uh, soul, it's a, it's a heavy term. Um, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, for me personally, in my journey as an entrepreneur, I think a lot about purpose mm -hmm. and I think a lot about where my time is best spent and who I'm spending it with. I think that's sort of the lens initially I kind of assess every opportunity or the time I'm spending and investing because ultimately that's that's our most valuable asset is our is our time and who we choose to who we choose to work with, who we choose to build with, who we choose to live with and who our partners are. Uh and I think, you know, soul in business, it's it's an interesting 
uh, intersection of both of those because I think, you know, in my own journey as an entrepreneur, um, you know, I grew up, I grew up in the Midwest, uh, you know, grew up in Wisconsin, uh, sort of jumped, you know, I, every company I, I was with or had joined was very values and, and purpose driven. It felt like that was the biggest, that was one of the biggest criteria I always had before taking a role or taking a job, which was, does this organization align with my, you know, with my personal values and having an inventory around that? Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, my first job out of college was actually at Intuit. I was a product manager. And, you know, one of the things that I just remember from going through the interview process was just how oriented it was. The interview was around the company's core values. And, and to this day, you know, I just think about how crucial that was. Not only were they vetting me, but it was, you know, I was reverse engineering them to understand where they stood. And, you know, as I, as I matured in my career, part of me really, it, it became, you know, clearer and clearer uh, as I joined different organizations. Some were very values focused. Some had a lot of clarity there, others less so. And so, you know, when I, I actually started my company Disco, um, which Culture Amp acquired in 2020, that was actually how I came to Culture Amp was they bought my company Disco. We were really centered on how how can we disco was an employee recognition platform but one of the mm -hmm. key things that we did was we allowed employees to give recognition around the values that they were living every day that associated with the company values and so you know if i said i was giving blaine kudos for hosting an incredible podcast for exhibiting integrity um it was really easy for us to be able to attribute that and say you know reinforce those principles and behaviors and i think that's like a big part of it is you know you try to as part of like what lights you up in your soul, it's like it's connecting with people that um, help you do your best work, but also you know aligns with your your you know your own beliefs. Um, or, you know, so that was that was a big thing. When I think of like soul and connection, and sort of my journey as an entrepreneur, and so disco was that was our bread and butter. Was how do we help companies, regardless of what their values and beliefs are, how do we help them reinforce those behaviors? And, and foster a sense of connection around those principles and behaviors in the day to day, and so that was that was the primary means around why Culture Amp bought our company in 2020. Um, I lead partnerships for them now, but I think you know the the values are always sort of at the center of how I've thought about it, where I spend my time, who I spend it with, uh, and that it's never failed me thus far. I mean, I've had plenty of failures, but it's, it seems like a really, uh, great lens, um, that, uh, yeah, that I've really, really valued. So, you know, you, you, you bring up a couple of things there and, and I want to be sure that, you know, we touch on both of them a little bit, a uh, little bit deeper here, but most people are used to hearing our people are our greatest asset. And what you just said a little bit ago was, yeah, not so much that you said our time is our greatest asset. And I, I mean, I just kind of went, whoa, this is kind of cool because that is really the only non-renewable you know, resource that anybody ever has. And I mean, non-renewable, you're not going to go get more. You're not going to yeah. get more. So where I spend my time, where I invest my time, and I make a distinction there, invest my time or spend my time makes a big, big difference in terms of my experience of the quality of life that I have. Yeah. Yeah. So. um 
the idea of values, you know, when you went to work with Intuit, if I heard this correctly, you had already developed a pretty clear understanding of what your core values were, you know, kind of what you used to organize and make sense out of the world and, and make meaning out of the world. Was yeah. that a fair assessment on my part? I, yeah, I, I believe so. And I, I think they're, those principles can evolve and change over time. Yeah, no, as far I, as I like absolutely what, think they do over time. Yeah, yeah, I'm working with yeah. uh, a guy right now that uh, yeah, I'm, I'm coaching. Uh, he and his wife are planning on having a baby. And he's yep. going, I know my life. <laughs> Obviously, my life is going to change. But he said, what's yeah. interesting is I noticed that I'm, you know, we were talking about he wanted to buy a new car. I said, well, what are you thinking of? He says, you know, got a new baby coming. It's going to influence the kind of car I end up getting. Yeah. And I went, you think? <laughs> if yeah. you're awake, it probably will. Yep. Um you know, Barry Posner, a uh, professor out at the uh, University of California, a uh, number of years ago did a study comparing clarity of values, organizational clarity about organizational values and personal uh, clarity about personal values. And he was looking, is there a correlation uh, to the amount of demonstrated commitment towards an organization's goals that is tied to clarity of values? And one of the things that was absolutely fascinating in that study was that if an organization spent a lot of time clarifying their values, but didn't work with people necessarily, but they, you know, they had really clear, they had a you know, really articulated set of values. The correlation between employee commitment and uh, the value structure wasn't a whole, I mean, people could come in, they could be lack of clarity about their own values or clear about their own values, but working towards clarifying organizational values didn't move the needle that much. Mm -hmm. But if somebody, and this is what I was struck with when you were describing your, your uh, interview with uh, Intuit, if somebody came in clear about their values, they self-selected the type of organization that they wanted to be associated with. Again, time is the greatest asset I have. So where am I investing my time? So they self-selected, you know, this is an organization that matches my values. And what was interesting was the statistical significance of that clarity relative to the organization's clarity dramatically moved the commitment level uh, that you know, Posner was looking at. And it was, it was fascinating. It wasn't organizational clarity necessarily, although that was important. It was attracting people that were clear about their personal values. Yeah. Now, with... Yeah, that that kind of you know, in my mind described what you were doing with uh, with Intuit when you said yes, <laughs> sign me up. When you started uh -huh. Disco, some of the folks that you went to—I mean, Mark Benioff is the one that stands out for me. You know, founder of Salesforce and whatnot. There's a values clarification, a values conversation that took place there, and and I love the story about how you got in front of Mark, and we don't need to go in front of that. But there was something about the the. The conversation about values that resonated with him when he said, yeah, sign me up. I will invest in disco. Um, can you kind of highlight that a little? Because really what I think you're talking about is you made the soul of that business, the soul of disco visible to him. Yeah. I think it was, you know, Mark is, is famous for uh establishing socializing the idea of the v2 mom which is the vision and values exercise that he encourages mm -hmm. all uh salesforce and founders and, and and companies that he advises to you know reinforce to get 
to get that clarity mm -hmm. because I think part of it is, and this is actually, I think it's a really important caveat. Um, value, the values are critical. Getting clarity on those principles is really critical, but what you do is also equally as if not, maybe if more important, not more important. Um, and, you know, Ben Horowitz, uh, you know, Andreessen Horowitz wrote mm -hmm. a, a really good book on culture, what you do, is who you are. And I, I actually, I, I subscribe to that as well, where it's yeah. the values are great behavior talks. And yeah. I think, you know, you put the principles out there and I, I think that's part of what, you know, Mark's model. And, and I think what, you know, any savvy operator or investor sees is it's, yeah, there's, there's an alignment around the fact that we know it, you know, we know it matters that values matter. Um, for us specifically, it was, you know, are these, are these guys going to deliver on the promise and, you know, do the things that they're saying they're going to do. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. that's both growth and that's, you know, that's output and that's growing users doing it with, you know, doing it with integrity, um, doing it the right way. Uh, so I think that, you know, there, that was there. And I think Mark more broadly, I, I think is just, he's, uh, he loves it, it. You know, he loves people. Um, he, you know, he's, he loves connection. Yep. And I think that, you know, you see it in products like Slack, you know, when they acquired Slack, it was for better or worse, whatever you think about Slack, it's a means of connecting people Connect in the people. day to day. Um, and so, yeah, it's, you, you're not speaking, you know, as if I know Mark for like 50 years or anything, but it's, <laughs> you know, it, 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 there was definitely an alignment around what Disco is trying to do. Um, coincidentally, Salesforce Ventures is an investor in Culture Amp as well. So mm -hmm. you kind of see beyond that was a, that was pre you know prior to Disco the Disco acquisition. So a lot of these things sort of are converging on each other, right? So yeah. Salesforce Ventures made this investment in Culture Amp. Mark made a personal investment in us. Go figure. We, you know we're acquired by Culture Amp. All sort of targeted on you know not only things like how do we help people do their best work. Uh, with the people they work with, you know, work by their values. But um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's been a cool journey to see. And it's been really, it's been super rewarding. Um, I, yeah. And especially as a journey as an entrepreneur, the other part, the other part that's really cool about it was, you know, I started the company with my brother, uh, my uh -huh. best friend talking about like where you spend your time and how you spend your time. And, I think one of the biggest we talk about soul uh and time, you know, reflecting back. I mean, we just to get a little vulnerable here, but you know, we we both lost our my dad at a really young age and that puts a different perspective on time, especially when you're really young, you know, 8 and 6. Um you gain a pretty strong appreciation for how valuable and precious your time is. And yep. I think one of the biggest one of the biggest takeaways for me coming out of it was, you know, the business outcome was great. We had a you know we had a great exit. Our employees did well. Um, investors made money. But it was man, I did this with the the guy, right? I did it with I did this thing with my best friend. Um, and I think that was probably the most rewarding thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is a long-winded way of asking like why this thing worked with Benioff, but like I think it was all in service of just clarity on values and 
you know, value alignment and um, yeah. And also the piece about just like doing what you say you're going to do and yeah. like being accountable, you know, that's, that was a, that was a big part of it. The, yeah. That accountability, I mean, every organization I've worked in as a consultant over the last 45 years or so, uh, accountability, that question of, you know, people aren't accountable here. Yeah. That always yeah. gets raised up in some way, or we've got a communication problem or we've got a trust issue. What it comes down to, and, and you, we've used the word integrity here a little bit, um, but values, you know, behavior is values in practice. Yeah. Basically, behavior is values in practice. That's essentially yep. what you end up seeing here. Yeah, Chris Argris uh, out of Harvard uh, before before Chris died, uh, he had made a real interesting you know distinction between values that are espoused and values that are lived. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, I, I think of Enron. Enron had great values espoused, but <laughs> the, yeah. the, the behavior was anything but that. Uh, yeah. And and where I want to go with just kind of putting that in place here is, um, you know, Disco was acquired in 2020, right as the pandemic was beginning, right? Yep. And the whole idea of developing culture based, you know, values based culture, you know, focus is is um, you know literally what you know, Culture App is organized around. Um, how did that start to unfold? How did you actually begin to address all of a sudden work? Yeah. People face-to-face contact, physical interaction, that sort of thing. That had to have been incredibly disruptive for your, not only business model, but also your, um, your product model in some ways. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because in our you know in our journey, if you look at not to go too deep on human capital management and HR tech, but <laughs> there was sort of this this like every every a lot of these things are cyclical, um, yeah, and and you kind of see it in especially in any category, but in HR in particular, there was this you know there's been this movement around being able to be uh, to share anytime feedback and sort of be like create a channel by which you can more easily share uh feedback with your company and you know we we started disco right around the time that slack as a messaging product for businesses was really taking off and we said you know what is real time mess you know what is real time feedback if it's not in real time messaging and so our whole pitch yeah. was we're going to just build this thing really narrowly inside of a tool like slack and microsoft teams and Zoom and and Google Hangouts chat to be where the people are to drive more frequent engagement and sharing of recognition feedback. And that was really our unique differentiator was we went really deep into real-time messaging. And then, you know, there was this whole boom around uh, chatbots around because Disco yeah. was a chatbot to start. And so there was this like, you saw this hype cycle. Um, and then chatbots weren't cool anymore and so like it was everything just kind of <laughs> died and we we're like oh my god are we're <laughs> nobody's buying this thing and so we sort of went down into this really you know this like dark period where we had to figure out what do we you know what is this what are we really trying to solve here um and so the minute we you know we leaned into this values focus of helping companies celebrate their culture and their values we started to see improvements in the business performance our revenue started to grow again 
and you know we were profitable we were a profitable company um right before covid and what was interesting was when covid hit it was actually a huge accelerant uh for disco because companies overnight were forced to rethink how they were going to drive connection in the workplace and so they were overnight doing digital transformation of man, we need to figure out how to roll out Slack. You know, IBM was, you know, 140,000 employees. They got to figure out how to roll out Slack to 140,000 people overnight. And so all of a sudden everybody was thinking, oh, we need, you know, we need a tool that helps reinforce these principles and drive connection inside of these tools. And so Disco was right there. (laughs) So it was, it actually, we saw, yeah, it was like right place, right time. So we actually saw our revenues double in a matter of two months. And it was at that point, you know, the, the ship was sort of up and to the right, um, before everything sort of, you know, the, the market fell out. But so to your, to your point, yeah, COVID really threw everybody for a whirl, um, for companies that were sort of in the distributed work tooling space, it actually was like really, really big. And I think part of the catalyst for culture amp acquiring disco was to help accelerate their position there because, they knew it mattered. They knew that, you know, we had taken a bet and had gotten quite a few battle scars uh, mm-hmm. and could help them really get to the place where they wanted to be to help serve their 7,000 customers because we just needed to figure out how to scale, you know, scale the product we'd built. So, well, yeah, and just, you know, on that point of scaling, um, yeah, if, if I'm an you know, enterprise size organization, or even if I'm not enterprise size, if I, you know, let's just say I'm a mid size, I've got 100, 150 employees. How do I actually begin to integrate Culture Amp's tools? Because you've got a you know, you've got an interesting suite of tools here. Yep. What's the process with that, and and what can I expect as an outcome if I'm actually looking to this? Yep. Yeah, so Culture Amp has a pretty wide range of products focused on the employee experience. So they're they're mm-hmm. most most Commonly known, I think, for their employee engagement, their uh, pulse survey and surveying product. Uh, they also have different modules for things like performance management. So if you think about sort of your uh, quarterly uh, performance calibration process and how managers, you know, manager 360s and things of that nature. Right. Um, and then a new product that we just released called Development, which is focused on career pathing uh, and really where helping create a blueprint for employees on where they want to go uh, professionally in their career to help have better development conversations with uh, with your managers. And what's really nice about these products is they sort of work together. They, you know, mm-hmm. you, you use the engagement product as a channel to open up to get feedback from your employees on how engaged they are. Do they feel like their, you know, their pay is equitable and fair? Uh, how effective is our management team? And you're able to then use the diagnostics as a change agent to create action plans and drive organizational change inside of your company. And I think that one, again, one important thing, and we talk about what you say or what you do is who you are. It's great to ask for feedback, but I think it's Uh, even more crucial that you act on the feedback that you get. And so that's where you're going to see a lot of, I think, from CultureAmp's perspective is not only just, you know, we've got a tremendous amount of engagement and employee engagement data, but how can we help these companies create plans that are going to drive uh, meaningful change to help their you know, teams be more effective, their employees be more productive, to be more happy and engaged? Um, so I think the first step is just like listening. You've got to listen to know where to go. Yeah. Um, but you know, from there, you can really 
it's uh yeah there's a lot of different ways you can take it but i think first opening up the channel to listen is the the key thing the nature of life is evidenced in nature nature grows and all of nature honors the desire to be more to have more and to do more life thrives when it's allowed to grow and ideally thriving is what we also all of us want to be able to do unfortunately at some stage in life most people find themselves settling into what I can only call a rut. And a rut is nothing more than a coffin with the ends kicked out. You want to quickly get out of any rut that you find yourself in. When you stop growing, that's when the coffin starts to appear. You know, the simple truth is this, and this is true for everything in nature. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Every one of us dies. So the question we need to come to grips with is not, are we going to die? The question nature asks us to answer is, are we truly living? That's what motivation is about. It's the desire to move. It's the desire to grow and to excel. Have I lived? How have I lived? I'd love for you to take advantage of my Leadership Mindset Masterclass. It's all about providing you with the tools to ensure thriving for yourself and for those around you. Register today to receive the free introduction video and find out more about this acclaimed program. You'll also receive a copy of my international number one bestseller, Compassionate Capitalism, A Journey to the Soul of Business. I'm Blaine Bartlett, and I look forward to helping you thrive. The idea of employee engagement, uh, emotional engagement, I mean, I got people that are engaged because they get a paycheck, but that's not really, <laughs> yeah, what, I, what I'm after here. Yeah, Gallup and people that listen to this podcast have heard me say this a number of different times, but the Gallup yeah, engagement survey that they run every year and have done almost for 30 years now, every, every year, um, it hovers right around 87% disengaged globally, mm -hmm. you know, the workforce being disengaged globally. Um, and then there's about 43, last number I saw here at Gartner was about, I think you're actually McKinsey had this data, about $43 billion a year is spent on leadership development with the intent of upping that employee <laughs> engagement score. And it hasn't, that engagement score hasn't moved much more than about two percentage points up or down over the last 30 years. It just has remained pretty static. Yeah. So what that would suggest to me is we're missing the mark here. And partly we're not missing the mark on leadership education as much as where we target leadership education. Because most leadership education, in my experience, and this is a field that I've been in for 40 years, uh, is targeted at the CEO suite, you know, the executives, uh, the senior managers, the senior leaders in the organization. The leaders that are not being impacted are the ones that you know, get management training, not leadership training. And that yeah. whole idea of listening, the, the, the legacy model for management is a boss-oriented model, typically. And it's the mindset that many people have around, yeah, do what I say. Yeah, I've got plans for us to execute against, that sort of thing. You've got, you know, you've got your role in this plan. What does your process and you know the data points to one thing and people you know if they're if they're listening to it they they get some insight about where they can go next but from a leadership 
perspective and how I define leadership, and thanks for bearing with me on this question, is yeah, influencing others in order to co-create coordinated movement in a system that produces the result that we want. That happens at mid-level ranks or mid-levels in organizations, the frontline levels, that coordinated movement. And the key here is the influencing piece, not the command and control piece. How does the work that you at Culture Amp do encourage a focus on influencing rather than commanding and controlling? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. Um, I love just thinking more about the term soul too uh, in the context of music and just like yeah. being able to cook and improvise a little bit. And, yeah. you know, any good composer, director, uh, you know, they set the tone directionally where do we want to take this thing? Mm -hmm. But there are spots for people to cook and do their thing and, you know, and solo. And I, I honestly, I think it's, there's some really interesting parallels to that, to there and sort of what Culture Amp, I think, does from a tooling perspective is we provide a general framework by which yeah. we make it easy for companies to plug this in to to be able to cook. Like we're not going to come in with a very prescriptive plan on hey, this is how you this is how, you know, you uh Intel or you Nike need to you know your people better than we will we will ever. Um you know their motivators and I think that's part of the key to your point about this. A lot of times the coaching is focused at the executive level. There's such an amazing opportunity. And you're seeing this more and more, I think, with coaching platforms more broadly to kind of democratize coaching, to make mm -hmm. it more accessible, more uh, easily digestible within other parts of companies. Um, so, to yeah, I guess it, the... the your your point there is is a really good one. I, I think you know Culture Amp specifically creates sort of the framework uh, to open up the channel. We have suggestions, um, and based on you know different patterns and things that we see, we're starting to do. I'm doing some you know some pretty cool work with Google right now. Uh, we just launched a partnership with Google Vertex, uh, which is their generative AI product right. to help with things like comment. Uh, analysis and understanding to help find trends and themes inside of qualitative feedback that um, that employees you know share with their companies to help make better decisions. Um, but I do think employees, especially, and I don't know if it's a generational thing. I think everybody wants to feel like they have some level of autonomy. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got to let them cook a little bit. You got to let them improvise. You have to you know directionally put out the target around like, where do we want to take this thing? But any, as any entrepreneur will tell you, it, it, <laughs> the path is always messy. <laughs> it's going to take, it can go any a million different ways. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's where, you know, you lean on your people to not necessarily, you don't need to have the blueprint. Um, you rely on them to help you get there and it's gonna, that's what, yeah, that's what makes it fun. So which opens a, a, an interesting conversation, at least in, as, as we kind of begin to look at wrapping this up here. The distinction between acknowledgement and appreciation. I mean, I can acknowledge yeah. somebody for being here. I can acknowledge you for showing up on time. I can acknowledge you for getting that report to me on time. Yeah. But this this piece of appreciation is uh, 
you know, what's the difference it made to me? I mean, I, yeah. I know you jumped through some hoops to get this to me, and the appreciation is not just letting you know I jumped, you know, that you jumped through some hoops, but yeah, here's what this meant to me. Yeah, I, I get to be home with my family tomorrow because this is here and I don't have to. So I want to really appreciate the fact that you did on that. So that, that personal piece here. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not sure what question I've got with this, but, you know, I'll just kind of, you know, make that, you know, that, that, that distinction because I, I hear a lot of people talking about, well, let's just acknowledge our people. And it's yep. not acknowledgement that is the, the secret sauce. It's the appreciation from my perspective that is the secret sauce. Recognition is, recognition is, I mean, we could do another hour on recognition like this because <laughs> this has just been my world. Um, there are some really interesting findings that we've come across over the years. And, you know, Disco, one, we, we went back and forth on, do you, uh, do you inspire? do you motivate people with money? Like, is money a good motivator? You know, you see a lot of these systems where it's like spot bonuses, spot bonus. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you know, kudos, here's a gift card. Um, and there's been a lot of research on this. Dan, Dan Pink has a really great oh, Dan's TED got talk some on great this stuff story. on that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a really great one on intrinsic motivators. I think yep. part of it is, you know, in a, in a company setting, people just want to be respected by their peers for the great work that they contribute. They want to, mm -hmm. you know, if you get recognition from a CEO and founder that takes the time to really give you acknowledgement in a public forum, that carries a lot of weight. Like that carries yeah. a lot of weight and shows respect across an organization. Danary, another really interesting, this is just a general, um, another thought I had, you know, uh, we did, um, some work with a company called Irrational Labs, uh, which was mm -hmm. founded by uh, Dan Ariely, he's the author of Predictably Irrational, and then my good friend Kristen Berman is his co-founder there. Yeah. Awesome organization, such a cool company uh, in behavioral economics. And Dan did this study, uh, he published it in The Independent. Uh, he wrote a book called Payoff, which was all about employee motivators. And there was this study he did where he's like, can you motivate your people with pizza? I thought this was like kind of an interesting, <laughs> interesting um, study. He's like, well, if we buy people pizza, what they found is like people will actually work harder for you if you buy them pizza rather than giving them cash uh, or a spot bonus. To, to build on that a little bit, what he did was they actually tested to see if you bought a pizza and sent it home to their family, what would that do for their level of motivation? And what they found was that when you actually bought a meal and provided it for that employee's family, their motivation was a lot higher because it removed the mental mind share of having to think, how am I going to put a meal on my family's table at the end of the day? And so mm -hmm. I think what it highlights is that employers having a deeper understanding of what really matters to the individual Yep. And how to recognize them is such an important part of this because, again, you write personal recognition feedback specific to that employee's contribution, but even things like buying your fam somebody's family a meal. Uh, that I just I that was I just thought that was such a cool study because I, I think that. it, it, I it love speaks that a lot. Example. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. So, it, 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 what do I value? What you know? What what do my people really value? 
I mean, I know what I value, and yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm I'm more likely to give away what I value, and I'm more likely to true to what I value. But if I'm listening, and I don't mean just you know, hearing people talk, but if I'm really listening, I begin to yep. pick up on what's important. Yeah, 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 totally good. Folks have been listening to Justin Van de Hey, uh, Culture Amp, and, and people can find more about what you're doing at cultureamp.com, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, cultureamp.com. Um, I also making a selfish plug for uh, the, I do a, a entrepreneurship podcast called the bridge round yep. where I have uh, early stage founders on talking about uh, they're taking their companies from zero to one. So early, early stage of building, uh, building meaningful products and things that can help, you know, grow your, your, uh, your baby. Um, so yeah, hit me up there, Justin at the bridge round.com or uh, justin.vandehayculturamp.com. Beautiful, beautiful. And I'll have those in the show notes. So, awesome. <laughs> okay, folks, thank you for listening. Um, we are wrapping this one up. Uh, the, as always, may I, my admonition to you is find ways to be a center of distribution in your life, not a center of accumulation. And you're going to find it works a whole lot better uh, in the long term. And we will be back next week. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for taking the time. I've loved this conversation. There are some absolute gems here. Blaine, this is super fun, man. Um, I love the work that you, you know, you're doing that David's doing. So just super grateful that you guys, you know, are making the time. And uh, obviously if there's anything I can do to help you too, just let me, just let me know. But super, super enjoyed the conversation as well. I'll take you up on it. Take care. All right, man. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.